welcome, Peter, and you've brought in a special guest today. Yeah, I do have a very special guest with me today, Chris from the Inside Out with Chris podcast. Oh, Chris, what do you specialise in? <laughs> I have a podcast where we talk about all things mental health, motherhood, the, the whole whole thing. And just refresh my memory again, because you said this off air, but I feel like our listener needs to know, how many children do you have? I've got four children under my roof. I have my two beautiful stepdaughters and a two-year-old and nine-month-old. She's crazy. <laughs> we, can't, we can't trust her. Obviously, I'm kidding. So look, you're well-versed in this. You've got some good advice for us. Yeah, I can't wait to chat. Absolutely. And so lovely to see you again today, Chris. We've had a great conversation previously about gut health. And um, you and I are both mad gut advocates when it comes to health, whether it's our kids or, you know, our health, our health as well. Yes. Um, now, today I thought we'd talk about you're a very busy mum, you know, two kids, two stepkids, so a blended family. There's a lot mm. you juggle and I know how busy you can get. <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk to you, uh, like, how, what do you do with your kids? What are your some of your rules or suggestions when it comes to... Um, what's healthy eating for your kids? Mm, I think with that, Peter, my number one thing is that we don't have any rules or restrictions in our house surrounding food groups and what they can and can't eat. Of course, we encourage certain foods with, you know, whole foods, vegetables, things like that. But no rules or restrictions because I want them to grow up with the foundational belief that they have a healthy relationship with all food and that they don't later in life then go to binging on bad foods because we've told them no that they couldn't when they were younger and I think as adults that's what a lot of young adults have dealt with in their early 20s and things is the binge because they were told no as kids. Well I think that's a really 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 good point because um there's a lot of issues that our kids have around food and weight and body image and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and I guess it all depends or starts with having a healthy relationship with the foods and you know i guess what what the concepts of healthy food is you know varies from household to household Mm. so with um dairy for instance what do Mm. you guys do when it comes to um dairy products yeah so look as i said earlier well you said earlier sorry i am a stepmom so i have my stepdaughters week on week off and um obviously i buy for the foods that they they enjoy and that they do have in both households so cow's milk being one of those things they have a certain brand of yogurts all the time um that my son jesse doesn't have so he doesn't have cow's milk he has alternative milks like almond milk or coconut milk and he's had that since he was a baby. He's only two now, so still quite young. Um, and whilst I don't tell them that they can't have cow's milk, I buy it for them. It's there. They will use the alternative milks when they choose to as well. So just again, just following through. So with I guess they guess they've got their those options. Mm. Did Jesse have issues with dairy? He did. So I think you'll recall when he was uh, we trans went on to formula when he was eight weeks and maybe nine weeks old. Went from breast milk to formula, and he started just on the traditional Nans, I think Nans or Nans brand of formula, and that's cow's milk. Um, and we were in hospital. Yeah, we were in hospital. Uh, overnight he suffered quite severe constipation as a baby so that was really hard and then I spoke to you and you encouraged us to give goat's milk a try as a formula and yeah that worked that was better so I think that's important too isn't Mm. it like working out what our kids can and can't tolerate as well Mm. um and I think what you're saying with the stepkids is like with your other children with all your children is they're having those options there and they can work out or work with you about what really suits them best mm, absolutely. growing up as well. Yeah. Um, what about bread? Like what do you guys do when it comes to, you know, all us naturopaths are a bit crazy about mm. getting everyone to reduce <laughs> their bread the or reduce their take. gluten. <laughs> I know, I know. Look, you know, if it was up to the two girls, they'd be white, soft, fluffy rolls every single day of school. And sometimes I will buy them out, here, of, here. out of convenience. <laughs> I know how delicious they are, but I also know that it doesn't have the um, highest amount of fibre. Um, it doesn't 
satisfy them for as long. So I buy light rye or dark rye bread, and they don't they they're not bothered by it. So they love it. They have that with uh, fruit of a morning. You know they they don't mind it at all. Okay, and. I guess it's getting used to those changes. I was just going to say, Peter, like for me, I have a coffee each morning and I used to have one sugar and then I went to equal and now I just don't have it. And Mm. the thought of having sugar in it again now, I'm like, ooh, that Mm. would be so sweet. So I guess it's just getting used to the food you're eating and then your body becomes kind of, you know, used to that flavour. Absolutely. And I think it's funny, like there's occasions where we run out of cow's milk and it's not in the fridge. So they'll just use the other milk and it doesn't phase them. So, you know, they will Whereas maybe if you were saying, maybe if you were trying to make them drink the other milk, then then you'd be up against it and then you're rebelling and or they're rebelling and... A hundred percent. And, you know, the other thing, I guess, or principle that we have in our house is is if it's not in the cupboards or fridge, they're not going to eat it. So don't buy it. Simple as that. Mm, That's a good one. That's such a good one. So basic, but so hard. Mm. Well, running, I guess that's doing that pantry audit, isn't Mm. it? And working out as a family what what you choose to have. Um, Sugar. Yeah, so that's a that's a big one for us because, as I've said, I'm not going to restrict them on that. I don't want them binging on it or feeling like they have to overindulge when the treat is available to them. I want them to be able to listen to their bodies and their, their hunger cues. You know, I've noticed with my son Jesse being two, he has hunger cues and he stops eating whatever it is when he's full, no matter what it that's is. That's fantastic because I think that's something that we've all lost <laughs> yeah. as adults, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, I've never done my that. Hand up, my hand up. <laughs> oh, I'm that right one. there with you, Peter. Yeah, yeah, and just encouraging, you know, the older two girls to stop eating when they're full and and that's really helpful as well in particular with sugary items um but we do uh buy a brand i think it's called noshu n-o-s-h-u you can buy it from woolies and coles and they've got a whole range of products and they're sugar free so Mm. that's a really good product that i do as a staple in the pantry for school snacks and things that they they see it as a treat but it's actually not too bad so what about we've still got some time left in this yeah, look, we might um, play a song and then we'll play come back and, and start. What's the next topic we're going to look at, Peter? Did you want me to sing a song in this break? That would be lovely. Can yeah. you do Stigley Dan? Uh, yep, awesome. <laughs> All right, here, here we, we go. go. Health and wellbeing. Now, Peter Mullen, you've brought in Chris, uh, who wears a lot of hats and does a podcast inside out. And we're talking about, you know, kids and treats and finding that balance with food. My question is, uh, coming into the school holidays, a lot of our amazing grandparents are stepping up to the plate and minding the kids possibly more than they normally would. Grandparents are renowned for wanting to give their grandkids treats, okay? Mm. How do we get around that? Because, you know, one little treat here off one grandparent, then another treat here and another treat, and all of a sudden there's just so much sugar. And and the kids really, my son especially, suffers terribly when he's got sugar in his system. He goes mental. Mm. I think it's really important to open the conversation with with the grandparents and the family and just set the boundary with them and encourage them, look, the kids are going to get sport rotten. What do you think about buying PJs for them this year? I know they'd love that and they'd appreciate them and they'd last longer. Mm. I think that's important to just talk to them, open the open the conversation open up. And on the day-to-day, you know, saying you don't need to give them treats all the time in terms of food, you know. Mm. A treat might be let's take you to the park afterwards or, you know, doing something a little bit different rather than, yeah, you get lollies or you get this and that. Yeah, 100%. I just feel like, you know, if you give a child the opportunity to sit with them and do arts and craft or eat, Story that's more meaningful and they enjoy that more than a treat and setting that 
boundary around a, relation, a healthy relationship with food, when you go to grandparents' house, yes, you deserve to be spoiled, but it doesn't have to be surrounding food treats. And I guess that's where the emotional connection to food comes in at mm. such an early age. I actually said something the other day that stopped myself in my tracks and I went, oh my God, this you're a disgrace for saying that. I think I said to my son, he was eating something, cake or something, and I said, oh, it'll make, make you feel better. And I went, oh my God, <laughs> that's like <clears throat> the opposite of what I should be saying, but just came out. Yeah, no, look, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's hard sometimes. We just slip of the tongue as, as adults where we say things that we've heard growing up as well. Yeah, it just happens. Well, also too, we recognise, <clears throat> pardon me, a lot of our patterns around Absolutely. food and that's what we're trying to do with our kids is, you know, when we were saying before about listening to our digestive system or body telling us when we're full, like most of us adults have just lost that cue, you know, because we eat for a whole myriad of reasons, don't yeah. we? So I think, I think communicating with the grandparents is awesome and also getting the kids to sit down with the grandparents and grandparents to ask them, what do you, what would you like to do? It's your, I'm going to do something special with you today. What would you like to do? It's a great suggestion. And I think the kids won't say, I want you to buy me chocolate. I think the kids will say, can we go to the park? Can we go for a swim? Can we go to the movie? So Mm. the kids aren't necessarily thinking that grandparents and relationship with grandparents has to equal treats. I think it's like, um, I had a lady recently and she was telling me, when her baby was little, she used to give the baby chocolate. And I said, why did you give the baby chocolate? She said, oh, because I really like it. And I thought the baby would like it for the as a treat. Mm. Oh, yeah, right. You know, we do a lot of things because we like it. Like I think yeah. grandparents might give our kids lollies and chocolates because they think of it as a treat, and it's not okay to stop and think about. Every now and then. I mean, growing <laughs> up, like there was nothing more exciting than busting into Nen's house and going straight to the lolly jar. Yeah. But, you know, maybe having one treat. You know, one little lolly when you yeah. go in and that's that's it type of thing. You know, we'd just go through the whole jar. So, yeah, you're right. It's generational. <laughs> Absolutely. And speak to mum and dad before, you know, ma- making these, I guess, habits, forming these habits with your grandkids. Speak to mum and dad if they're cool with it. I know my stepdad loves Zupa Dupas and gives my son Zupa Dupas and it was a bit of a habit that they'd formed together and it's their <laughs> time. But um, now he has sugar-free Zupa Dupas and that's fine. We just changed it up a little bit. Okay, so it's thinking outside the box and coming up with some alternatives. Yeah. Healthier, healthier, um, less sugary treats for sure mm. because we know – and you were saying your Max, if he has sugar. Oh, it's, it's, it really affects him. Mm. Like he, he just loses all concentration. He's very hypo and um, and then he crashes. It's You can see his little mind struggling because he's just so, you know, sugared mm. up and it's hard to watch him like that. Well, look, the other thing, the other thing I think to keep in mind as well is like that sugar in a little body, like a Mars bar – oh, sorry – a sugar, chocolatey sugar rebar in a small body has a lot lot smaller blood supply and has a much bigger impact upon their well-being than that same size chocolate in an adult. Mm, so even, even you know, all those, those um, treats are all geared towards adults, really, adult bodies and adult sizes, and they end up being given to kids. It's just way too much sugar for them. Mm, okay. Well, we might take a break. We'll go to the weather, and when we come back, we, we might have a little bit more of a chat. Yeah, some tips and ideas on, you know, how to get our kids to be interested in food and interested in healthy eating and interested in eating fruits and vegetables. Yeah. Uh, Peter, we've got a little uh, place where people can go to to suggest a topic because we were sort of thinking, I know that there's people at home that go, I want to hear about this topic or I meant to ask Peter this, but I didn't get a chance to phone. So if people want to go to health at 2 com, they can actually um, send us 
an email and let us know what they'd like to talk about, which would be very cool. Look, it'd be great. And even if someone feels a bit uncomfortable to ask a question over the air, which I'm sure some people might, they can send their question through and then we'll get back to them in the next couple of programs as well. But also topics like, you know, I'd love some um, fresh new ideas of things that people really want to talk about or hear more about, whether it's, you know, arthritis or thyroid or... um, Autoimmune, something or, that's happening in yeah, in their something's life happening that's relevant affecting. in their yeah. life or their kids' life particularly. So yeah, we'd love some feedback. Okay, now we've been uh, chatting to Chris, who does a great podcast, Inside Out with Chris. <laughs> I think I said kids before; I didn't read it properly. That's gorgeous. Um, now we're looking at uh, some tips and ideas. Over to you, Peter. So tips and tips and ideas, Chris, about. Um, you know, encouraging our kids to, to eat healthier? Mm, I think that um, in particular with my two stepdaughters, uh, I have to hide a lot of the veggies. So cooking things where you can hide the veg, lasagna, making spaghetti, tacos, that sort of thing, use beef mince and then sneak in zucchini and spinach and broccoli and whatever else that you can slide in there without them knowing. Carrot, capsicum, mushrooms. There's, you know, a lot of options if they don't know they're eating it. They're usually not bothered by it, but if you let them know what's in it, they'll push back. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting though, isn't it? Because you were saying, Sarah, that your your kids, particularly Max, will eat everything. Yep. All your vegetables, chili, all sorts of yep. things. And you were saying, um, Chris, that your your two younger kids will eat everything. Yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah. Your stepkids struggle a bit more. They're a bit more sensitive with what they'll eat. So yeah, I guess it, even in a family, you can have this wide range of. Or the kids will do the thing where they eat everything when they're little and then all of a sudden yeah. they'll seem to go off. So I guess... It's an individual thing for the you kids. Have to work, yes. You have to work where you're at is what mm. I'm hearing you two saying is that mm. really if, if one kid is more restrictive, you've got to work around that. A hundred percent. I think as mums... And someone like, else that's going to be more open. Yeah, like as mums and, and even I'm sure grandmothers and, and grandparents and things, don't beat yourself up if the kids aren't eating it. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't take it personally. They just don't like it yet. Or they don't. They might not like that palate. They might not like the texture. Mm. Work with them the best you can and just, yeah, don't beat yourself up about it. Well, I think one really good tip someone said to me one time is to get her kids... Like I remember jotting sideways. I remember distinctly... I think I was about seven when all of a sudden we always used to eat our vegetables. I'd eat the vegetables first because then you could enjoy the meat. I still do that now. (laughs) I'm one of those weirdos. Um, But I remember distinctly when I actually thought, oh, these vegetables actually don't taste too bad. So our palate does change. And um, someone said to me once with their kid, they just kept putting a little bit of broccoli on the plate every night. And basically kept putting it on the plate, on the plate, on the plate until eventually the child ate it. So I think sometimes parents can make the mistake of trying something once and their kids say they don't like it and then they Mm. never try it again. Mm. That's a good point. So I think if the adults, if we're eating a good wide mix of vegetables and salad and fruit and they keep seeing that on our plate, we keep giving them a little... Someone said, one of my patients the other day, she can't put those foods actually on a child's plate or it ends up everywhere. So she has a little side plate. She just sits them off to the side so that child can still see those foods but, you know, will eat (laughs) what's on their plate. But at least we're keeping reintroducing. So I think it's working with where where your kids are at, I guess. Absolutely. Very good. Well, that's been a very interesting topic, particularly heading into Easter, as I said, you know, changing routines and, Mm. you know. And and also being prepared for Easter now, like for parents and grandparents to be thinking about not overdoing the chocolate and the sugar. Yeah. That, you know, we only need a small Easter egg and and a pair of pyjamas or a book or a trip to the zoo mm. or... 
Oh, definitely. And, and I think um, our grandparents and even my nan, so my kid's great nan, she's doing that this year. She said, I'm not buying chocolates. I'll have a couple here if the kids come. But this year I'm not doing chocolates. And we went, perfect. Mm. They don't need it. You know? Mums would rather that. We, don't, we want, don't want the kids hyped up on chocolate and their little bellies filled with, you know, that heavy dairy. We want them to enjoy their time with their grandparents. But family, if you're listening and you do get it for them, you know that mum will help them out. So that's cool. <laughs> All right. Look, thank you so much for coming in, Peter. As always, we'll catch up with you next Oh, not next week, the week after. Yeah, we won't be here next week. I think it's a uni holiday or something. Mm, so I'll the be week here, after, though. you'll and be here. Chris, thank you for coming in and giving thank us you. some tips and advice. Inside Out with Chris. That's me. Thank Beautiful. you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.